sometimes I can be unsure how to talk about a particular issue or topic that I've been thinking about. And then something will just happen that brings it into a new light for me and helps me understand what's at the crux of the thing that I'm trying to explain. I had been trying to figure out how to talk about my confusion and anxiety and shame around struggling sometimes within relationships and friendships. But I wasn't quite sure how to um, get into this because what I don't want to do in this podcast is talk about any specific people or experiences in a way that breaches our personal relationship or our confidence. So really what I want to do is kind of get into the underlying aspects of what might be related to being autistic around those difficulties. And then I had an experience today that was really nothing to do with relationships and friendships that brought it into a new light. I was learning how to use a drill to put up a pin board on my wall in the room that I work in. And I've never used a drill before and I've never put the bits in. I've never held up the screw um, to the wall and had to figure out how much pressure to put on it and how to keep it straight and all those kinds of things. And I had specifically asked my husband to kind of be with me whilst I was trying to do this because he knows how to do these things and not do it for me, but basically teach me how to use the drill and kind of supervise that I was doing it correctly. And he's very patient and he's very kind and he came in and helped me put all of this together. But during that experience, I noticed that I was um, very adrenalized. And in the past, I may have had experiences like that where he or someone was showing me how to do something new, maybe using equipment, uh, maybe where I felt like the stakes were quite high, like if I got it wrong, it would be you know, a real problem because I would have damaged the wall or I would have damaged the screw or damaged the notice board. So in the past, I would have had those experiences of feeling very adrenalized, but not quite put my finger on it. And so what it would come out as is me snapping, me being moody, um, and me probably seeming very ungrateful to the person who is showing me how to do something. So today, with my new knowledge about myself, I found myself being adrenalized in my body and I thought to myself, ah, I'm, my nervous system is triggered. I'm in fight or flight mode. In fact, I was feeling a bit of both. Like I wanted to run away and I was feeling a bit aggressive because this is a new thing. This is a new thing that I don't understand how to do. And that reminded me of a thought that I have had recently and have been discussing with a few other autistic people that actually a really universal experience for autistic people and something that if we were going to try to define autism, I would I would really vote for this actually as a thing that is fundamental 
to a lot of our experience is the deep discomfort more than that the almost um survival threatening level of reaction that we have hence the fight or flight mode being activated when encountering anything new that we have to do that we do not yet have all of the information and understanding to do um I vaguely remember from A-level psychology a concept called a schema. And a schema is basically um, a, a construct that an individual has within their, within their mind, within their memory, within their thoughts, that is the sort of framework for how a thing works, a framework for a social interaction a framework for how a type of place like a restaurant or a school might work, um, a schema for um, a schema for a, a task like booking an appointment. Yeah, basically a schema for anything that we have to do. And you get you get a schema through experience. So when you're young, like a child, or even a young adult, or even at my age of now, pretty much 42, encountering something I haven't done before that I want to do, when the schema isn't there because we haven't built it yet, an autistic person will really panic and our nervous system will be triggered and externally it will come out as aggression or like real fear behavior, so aggression or running away, basically. Um, and this is something that adults in my life have commented on since I was tiny, really tiny. Encountering any new scenario or any new activity or any new task, even if I wasn't being assessed in any way in how I went about these new things, the fact that I didn't already know how to do them just instilled this intense terror um panic you know the adrenaline in my body I would be it would make me angry it would make me shout it would make me hit things it would make me ultimately want to run away cry you know basically it would trigger me into a meltdown it would trigger me all the way into a meltdown as a child and then as I got older and the mask started solidifying and I started pushing the meltdowns inside myself like I discussed in the last episode it would come out as being aggressive being perceived as rude uh being avoidant yeah being moody all of those kind of out outward um outwardly noticeable behaviors I guess and one of the things that I always hated as a child because people are obsessed with saying it to children. I hated somebody saying to me, you can do it. Don't worry, you can do it. That is the worst thing to say to an autistic child who actually doesn't know how to do something yet. The encouragement that I really wanted was, it's okay to not know how to do it. It's normal to not know how to do it. This is new for you. This is new. I will help you. I will show you. I will teach you. 
I will give you the information. You can learn. You will learn. Sometime, soon maybe, you will know how to do it. And over time, you'll get better and better at doing it. And you'll know how to do it really well. That's the kind of encouragement an autistic child really needs. Certainly that I needed. And to this day, that's still the encouragement that is going to help me the best, if anyone is in a position to do that with me, that will help me the best if I'm encountering something new. And obviously, often, now that I'm an adult, I need to speak to myself that way. So when I have had meltdowns that haven't been, you know, really obviously triggered by sensory overload, they will probably have been through finding myself in a moment where I need to do something and I don't know how to do it. So I had a big meltdown um, last summer um, at the Provence holiday that I spoke about in an earlier holiday, in an earlier episode. And the trigger was going into a service station to buy some food. So I was already on the build-up or having sensory issues because I was hungry. But going into the service station, which was difficult sensory-wise because it was noisy and there were lots and lots of people moving around and moving close to me, which I find difficult. But more importantly, I couldn't figure out how how um, any of the food counters worked. And I didn't want the same food as my husband um, because he was getting fast food and I wanted something healthy. And I couldn't understand. There was no signage. Um, it seemed very chaotic. There, there weren't obvious cues. Obviously, I, you know, I don't speak fluent French. I don't even speak particularly good French. So I also had to start scripting, you know, how I would interact with someone when I got to a counter. And I had a meltdown because it was too complicated for me to figure out easily. And so what I had to do in that moment, I actually stopped and got my phone out and Googled. I actually Googled, why don't I know how to do anything? This is pre-knowing I'm autistic, okay? So I had an un- I knew what questions I wanted to ask of the universe, but I had no I had no schema about myself, which is why it's so awful not knowing you're autistic, not having a framework for yourself. So I stopped at that service station and I Googled, why don't I know how to do everything? And there was this lovely article that popped up from some coach somewhere that I haven't even looked at the article since that said something like you're perfectly good at doing things it's perfectly normal to not know how to do a new thing what you need to do is stop and gather information you need to believe in yourself you know basically go a bit easier on yourself and I stopped and I read that article and I stopped crying and I thought okay it's normal it's normal to not know no one's judging me I'm not going to get killed or put in jail if I don't know how to buy myself a snack. Um, I'm going to get in what looks like a queue. It will figure itself out somehow. I will somehow get in front of the woman behind the counter. And somehow I'm just going to trust that I'll be able to communicate by pointing at things, etc. that I'll be able to buy myself something. So my understanding is that non-autistic people, allistic people, do not have that level of panic 
do not have a meltdown when they don't understand how something works. There is a level of comfort that they have, as opposed to discomfort, with not having all of the information. And whatever it was that I got out of that little article, holistic people, that's how they think anyway. So how this links then to my experiences in relationships and friendships? Well, this whole thing about schemas and about um, the fight or flight response to not knowing applies to everything. I've written here, it applies to places, processes, tasks, activities, interactions. And what do we do in relationships and friendships? We interact. So as a as a young person, I had loads of difficulty in all of my relationships because I was so uncomfortable with not knowing how to navigate every single scenario that I would find myself in with a friend or a family member or, um, you know, a boyfriend when I started having boyfriends, which meant that I had a disproportionate amount of fear and aggression um, within those relationships. And it made me paranoid. I was very paranoid within friendships and relationships. But autistic people also have a tendency to be very trusting of others and placing disproportionate trust in others um, and believing, believing what people say. But also, because we spot patterns and can see when things are consistent and inconsistent. Basically, relationships with people, because we're not actually robots, and we're not actually programmed like AI would be to kind of um, everything we think and do and say be exactly according to some algorithm. Of course, people, humans, are inconsistent so what you have as you know one person within a two person relationship or what i've had as an autistic person is a very jumbled up complicated set of information to try to make sense of about everything that i and another person says and does what within that is consistent and inconsistent but also having this sort of just intrinsic fear of getting my interactions with that person wrong, having a very disproportionate view of the stakes probably in terms of getting things wrong and not having a schema either for a relationship but also for that actual person And for myself, I have often found impossible to navigate. And I had lots of friendships when I was um, a child, a teenager and a young adult 
that came to quite an abrupt end, either because I did something or said something that was the last straw for someone and then they exited the friendship or relationship or because something happened that was almost the last straw for my own anxiety and so I would extricate myself from the relationship. Um, And that's, from my understanding, from the correspondences that I've had and the conversations I've had with other autistic people, other autistic adults, that is a very common, typical experience for us. Now, what I do also know is that the few relationships that I have in my life now that are easy for me to navigate, even when there's a difference of opinion or even a potential conflict, um, but are easy for me to navigate, it is turning out that those people are autistic or probably autistic. I think there is a mode of expressing ourselves and um, the fact that, for example, autistic people will tend not to ask other people questions about how they are or what's going on with them and tend not to be tend not to need to be asked that question on the assumption that or on the on the tendency for us that we will volunteer information if we feel like doing so and and on the assumption that the other person will as well so not asking questions for non-autistic people can probably be seen as a lack of interest a lack of curiosity curiosity a lack of um lack of care thoughtfulness love a lack of love for them that's not actually the case and so autistic people so you know if i think of a friend a good old friend that i have who is also autistic it's really normal for us to go really long periods of time without any contact and then out of the blue one day one of us will send a link to something that they've seen on Instagram or you know something like that 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 we know that we know that the other person would like without a message without any sort of context we won't provide context um and then sometimes we might, out of the blue, share something completely out of context as well. But usually, I can't speak for all of us, but I think usually without any expectation of what might come back in return, I think there's just a real difference of expectation about the kind of the back and forth. And I, you know, what's difficult for me, which I'm struggling with, is I don't have a schema for non-autistic people. Now that I know I'm autistic, I can make sense now of how I understand and experience and approach things. And I've got a shared schema with friends and family members who I now know are autistic. The ones where I'm not sure, or they're definitely not, I don't think there are many people in my life who aren't, I'm so confused about how they work that I don't really know how to interact. And that's particularly difficult in 
French, you know, a friendship or a relationship that's not linked in any way to another schema. So the reason that this stuff doesn't really affect me so much now in the workplace, you know, as a manager or a colleague, is because I've got a very well established now schema of being a manager and of being a colleague, which is working fairly well. But take me out of the workplace and I've got really nothing to anchor to. I've got nothing to help me navigate. So I have a lot of panic and a lot of paranoia and a lot of shame. And a lot of those things can then block having the confidence that it takes to persevere with a relationship or to start a new one. And that is very much the message that I'm getting from a lot of other autistic people who are contacting me and who I'm talking to online and who I'm talking to in person. Lots of us, all of us, I would say, have a lot of this kind of background, a lot of this experience. And then there's a build-up of trauma around that as well, which of course is going to add to our paranoia and take a, take take that into new relationships. Um, so that's how I've managed to make the link between learning how to use a drill and being able to make sense of and talk about the difficulties that I have in friendships and relationships. And ultimately, the the, the fundamental thing, you know, for us as autistics is is the fact that we we seem to need a huge amount of information and knowledge and understanding before we can embark on something, even something very simple, um, which non-autistic people just don't seem to have. And I think autistic people go through life assuming that everyone around them has all of that information and has all of that knowledge and that they're somehow in on you know all of these rules the social rules all of the rules of interaction all of the scripts they somehow know all of the scripts they somehow know all of the schemas although obviously we don't have that language when we're you know just living our lives but actually they don't but they're okay with it they're comfortable with it they're not they're they don't feel like they're about to die (laughs) they don't feel like their very survival is under threat as a result and that i think is one of the few fundamental differences um between autistic and allistic people that i can actually articulate and, de- and define so what i'm really interested in is what do you think about that and and what are the other differences what, because that will help us understand what autism actually is. Because autism isn't the description in a diagnostic manual. That's not autism. That's how autism looks to non-autistic people. So what is autism? And I think this is one of the tenets of it. Okie doke. Have um, a really great weekend and week ahead. I would, of course, love to hear from from you. Um, and I haven't asked this before, but I would also be very grateful if you like this podcast, if you found it helpful, I would be very grateful if you would put a review on the whatever platform you listen to it on. Um, and 
you know, subscribe, whatever the options are on your platform, because I think it can help um, the algorithms. I think it can help uh, make the podcast a bit more visible to more people, which I would love. All right. Thank you. Take care of yourselves. Bye.